welcome to the Car Sim and Race Driver Show, presented by Hugh Hattrick. We have Bathurst in the course, my very special guest, Peter Golly, Rascal Rabbit, Josh Martin. It's great to have you back on the show. Drive fast and try not to crash. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Car Sim and Race Driver Show. And today we have another incredible special guest. It is James Bacon. Hello, James. How are you doing today? Hi, you. I'm great. How are you? I'm extremely well and very excited to have what I, what I did say was actually a pro sim racer. And I'm sure you are. You're just saying that, uh, <laughs> you know, but straight from an incredible performance, first in class and six overall at the at the Spa 24 hour race that just literally two weeks ago, uh, which was organized by the SimGrid. I mean, what a performance to be able to do, to finish all of that. And you were going strong for nearly 21 hours because if you weren't driving, you were engineering. So tell me, what was it like and, and what was the experience overall of doing such a race? Oh, it was amazing, Hugh. I can't really put it down to any other simpler terms than that. It was just anything that I, what I had got into sim racing to do was to do endurance racing. And this is our first 24-hour race, and we're very inexperienced. We're just a team of mates, really. And it was just, let's go as hard as we can, have a bit of fun. And it was just phenomenal. And, and the quality of the event and the, the quality of the competitors, you know, really, it's kind of hasn't really sunk in really you know what we've done because a lot of the guys there are really experienced and it almost felt like you know it's just it's a little bit unbelievable you know huh. so how did it all start how did you get into sim racing and what was the kind of motivation behind it all well i mean sim racing for me is kind of a, a story of two halves so sim racing if you want to call simulation i haven't even sim racing since four days before UK lockdown this year, when I bought my first my first wheel pretty much, yeah. So I've only been sim racing since March, but I have been com competitive racing in the past, but on gamepad on Forza 4, but that's, this was oh, six years ago, I think, was when I stopped doing that, and I was doing it for about two, three years. But it, it's the same nature. It might be an arcade game, but it's just as competitive as sim racing. So... Yeah. As it, so I took a break for about six years and uh, I thought, you know, I could, I foresaw lockdown coming and I, I knew there would be no racing. I thought I want to do some racing. And yeah. that's that. I bought a wheel and I bought a set of course and I bought a wheel stand and that's really where it took off from just the start of this year. Wow. And that, that's quite a thing. We've already had a first question for you from Amanda Rice. And it, uh, she says here, out of all the cars you've driven as a pro driver, which is your favourite? Why and on what track does it handle best? Um, probably Porsche. I love Porsche so much. It's a proper driver's car. Um, that's that's why I love it. it. It drives so nice. You drive it on the throttle. You don't need to drive it with the brakes or the steering wheel. You just left off and car turns. Um, probably the best track for the Porsche is not not what I would call my favourite track, but Laguna Seca just gels really well at Laguna. It's the nature of the track. It's stop, start, you know, 90 degree corners. The Porsche just takes off through that track. Yeah. 
So is it mainly Group Three in the Porsches that you like, or do you like um, other? Oh, GT. You mean in G? You mean GT3? Yeah. Yeah, GT3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 in real life, I mean, if we're talking about cars that I love in real life, um, Porsche and Aston Martin is up there. But in sim racing, it's it's Porsche. They're the best things to drive: GT3, GT4, GT Cup. You know, Cup cars. And uh, I mean, if you if you drive a different sim, whether it be like R Factor, or, I don't think there is a mod in R Factor for 919. But if you know, if you can find a Porsche 919 LMP1 to drive, if it's a Porsche, it's a Porsche, and it's going to be incredible. Yeah. You know, that's the way I look at it. So you said that you just got uh, your first wheel earlier on this year, um, and then I kind of did you have an actual a sim rig as well, or was it literally just a kind of was it you said that it was on a stand, or did yes. you have a kind of short? Yeah, so so, this, so it's the first wheel I bought for myself, but I originally had the Xbox wireless wheel back in the day, but that was, you know, the arcade on F1 2010. But the first first wheel I bought for myself getting in sim racing, uh, I bought a GT Omega, just a wheel stand, because I don't have a lot of space, really, for, for, a, for a sim cockpit. Where I'm sitting now is where I sim race. Um, I'm, I'm a DJ and a music producer, so I kind of have to swap the... The music production gear out of the way and bring the wheel stand and the wheel and to, yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit cowboy but you know um but i mean i think i bought that wheel stand and the wheel on the same day and and, and they both sold out within i think two or three days after i bought it so i was really really quite lucky otherwise i could have went months and, and, and not actually got into some racing at all and at what point did you realize that you were you know very very good at sim racing and you can <laughs> Because obviously you have to be good to do as well as yeah. Um, of course, no, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I don't like to think I'm good. I mean, there's always people who are better, and there's always people you need to aim to be better, but yeah, or aim to aim to you know compete with, I suppose. But I mean, for my own performance, I would just say since I would say since we won Suzuka, we joined the SimGrid World Cup uh, for the four, four, four endurance rounds, which is the, basically the intercontinental GT challenge, just minus yeah. Ugaseka. And mm. we, we did, um, Suzuka, um, we did not expect to win. Like, I mean, we, we just went into that race and just drove at our own pace and then come the end of the race, we'd won. And, and I was like, wow, actually, maybe we are actually quite good. You know, <laughs> it was really, it was a shock because, you know, we, we just, as I said earlier, we just, three mates having a laugh, you know, we, we, yeah. we never, we don't imagine doing esports. We don't imagine doing big competitive racing. Um, and it just seemed to, it seemed to go well. And I would say, yeah, it was around Suzuka. We, uh, we sort of realized, yeah, maybe, maybe we're capable of competing. We're not, we're not capable of competing with the absolute best, but, um, in our group of drivers, I would say, yeah, yeah, we're quite competent and we're, we're quite proud of what we've achieved. Yeah. So, do, I mean, I know you, you said you'd played Forza earlier on about six years ago or more um, in the mm. early days. And, and obviously you were very good at that on the pad. And it's a good game. It's a good arcade game, as you oh, say. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there were big championships and all sorts of stuff for that. Um, did you ever, when you were kind of younger as well, did you ever try PlayStation and other other kind of uh, games or was it mainly Forza? Um, I mean, competitive racing, the only ones I ever was into because I had the Xbox 360 was was the F1 series and, and Forza. Uh, I've played, I mean, I, I, it was actually a few months ago, I thought I'll work out how many power racing games I've owned. And I got something like 30 or 40 and I just stopped because wow. I couldn't even remember anymore. But it's, I've, I've been gaming since I was like, 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as I can remember. So, and, and every game I've had has been a car game of some form, of some form, good or bad. Uh, that's pretty good, because that's what you find that a lot of sim racing people are like. Um, they've either grown up with Gran Turismo um, or things mm. like that, or perhaps racing games. I remember I used to have a game called Saloon Cars uh, for my old Acorn yes. 8000, uh, which was a great fun <laughs> game, actually. It used to bug out all the time, though, um, if you did a lap and things would happen. And it was it was it was hilarious because um, if <laughs> if you hit the wall, if you had a big crash and you hit the wall, it just there was a sound of a thud, and then it would just say game over, you know, on your day. <laughs> that, that was it. So I must have I was very good. I had a, I had a Vauxhall Astra GTE, right, kind of like saloon touring car thing, and I was very good at oh, like, yeah. qualifying on pole. But it was so badly set up that it would go for about two laps and then it would expire. Um, and I and you could choose your list of mechanics. Um, you know, from the kind of the basics to the best, and if you if you could only afford the basic one, it was Bill Bustit mechanics uh, who would be doing your your tires, and they had a great one for choosing the tires. Um, the, the the again the cheapest one it was called Fatal Slip <laughs> on this one, so it was you know that's what we kind of grew up with, and then yeah, the yeah, cars yeah. got better. Um, and I think it's been amazing how the games have improved over the years. Oh, and yeah. um, I, I don't know if you ever played uh, Toka Touring Cars. Um, uh, I, I, that was I, I, late nineties, maybe late nineties, early two thousand. I, I never played it. I know of it. I, I never played. I took a turn cars, but I mean, the first sort of serious racers I played, well, serious real life cars would have been um, the Gran Turismo games from around 2000 and maybe 2000, 2002. They did, they did that concept one. The, the one, the first one I can remember, they did that um, Gran Turismo concept Tokyo something or other, Tokyo Geneva or something it was called. I, I can't oh, remember. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. That's 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 the first one I can remember playing, uh, and um, yeah. So, but I know took a turn cars, and I, I've heard some fun memories of it. You know, but it was it, hilarious. It, yeah. it, was, it was one of the best games they did. They did took a turn cars too, um, for PlayStation. I think it was, and, and uh, I remember it, you could do Formula Fords, and I remember mm -hmm. racing around Silverstone in Formula Ford. Um, and they can have spectacular crashes. You know, if you touch somebody's wheel, you would literally cartwheel over. And you know, it was really good for its for the experience of yeah. the time. And I remember I touched somebody, and they went flying off you know, at Cops Corner. Um, and the, it must have been obviously these bugs are things that they had they had written into the game. So when I did the next lap and I came round, the actual racing driver, even though I'm sure it was AI, um, was actually standing beside his car waving really? his fist at me. Yeah, it was absolutely. I couldn't wow. believe it. You know, it was fantastic. You know, it was it was hilarious. But uh, but no, I mean they've obviously they've all grown up and, and, and gotten better. And we, I think probably like yourself, you would have played these early Gran Turismo games and well into the night um, as you try and achieve all the the goals and the objectives mm. of, of the game. And now they are um, competing in these incredible races. So how how do you find one of the questions we've had here is what's your number one sim racing tip to improve your lap time and your overall kind of sim racing ability? Um, for me personally, it comes from just practice and lots of it because um, I I'm into endurance racing. Sprint racing is not really my thing, and and times hot lapping isn't my thing either. What's important to me is to do a good job over a long period, and and that means being consistent. And for me, the only way I can find to be consistent is to do a lot of practice. Really, to do a lot of practice, learn the track, and and then. For me personally, is to stay focused. Um, I've, I've, I'm, I'm sure you know Jardy. I'm sure you've watched Jardier, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. he, um, he has this habit of being able to talk 
while driving for hours and hours and hours and <laughs> just do these consistent laps and I'm getting a little bit better at that, but um, I'm still at the point where I'm, I'm bending it into the wall from every now and again. Just been trying to talk, trying to talk and drive. So, yeah, my, my main tip would be just um, if if you're struggling with consistency, would just be to practice. It, it's really about practicing and focusing on. Um, uh, uh, one thing I've learned about my other pastime in in music production, when you're starting out in music production, is things that you learn are happy accidents and, and i said this to one of my teammates the other day is sometimes you can drive around and repeat the mistake after mistake after mistake and you won't realize you've done you won't realize you're doing a mistake until you have the happy accident and not do the mistake and and you do hit that corner right or you do use the maximum width of the road or whatever it may be and uh, and the only way you can ever find out that you you know to, to reach that limit or to or to have that happy accident, should I say, or happy mistake that, that means you go quicker is to just practice and get and and eventually find all the places where you can eke out those little bits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the thing. So you, you told us that you'd won in, in Suzuka, which is an amazing achievement. But in the six months or so, or eight months since lockdown, since you really started, what would you say have been your main highlights as well, um, other than Suzuka, uh, with the races that you've been taking part in? Um, I think uh, we've done we've done basically they're all my, my favourites are all endurance races. So Spa obviously when Spa was just incredible, just the work and the dedication. But I think uh, I think the most fun I've had racing in this time was um, I started sim racing in March and I met my teammates Slatan and Ryan. I met them in in April and we did our first endurance together in May. And and that first endurance we did together was. Um, six hours on Silverstone and it was like 50 cars and we started in like P, nearly P40 and, and we were on for a P10 before we got a penalty which sadly dropped us down for speeding in the pits but uh, it was the first endurance race it was, it was the one thing I wanted to do when I got into sim racing was endurance racing and, and I did it with two mates and, and we just had a ball of a time and it was just so much fun and yeah. you think as well you're not even technically with them yeah, you know they're obviously mm-hmm. doing it uh, I think it, once the COVID has lifted, it's going to be even more fun because you'll be able to do it more together, perhaps. And yes, and yes. these events, they might they might put them in a, a shed somewhere or a studio somewhere, and you'll be able to race all live together. And I think that will be even more exciting um, because it's it will bring it all together. I mean, they were starting to do that before COVID, um, and it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. What what would be your kind of idea of the ideal kind of sim race in the future once COVID lifts? Um, as a kind of event, would you like to be able to do it all together in a live studio, or do you are you are you quite ha- quite happy just to do it remotely? I actually think that's a very good idea, to be honest with you. I mean, we saw that with the Le Mans Virtual. I don't know if you watched the Le Mans Virtual this year, and they had um, they had they had fifty cars, and I think the cars were split between two real life drivers and two sim drivers, and they had two teams competing in the studio in I think it was Paris where they had it. Uh, and 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 that was a good aspect to have, and and to be honest, I think that would, I would like that as, as an event. If obviously it, something like that, say for example, you know, you had a big endurance race like the Saint Grid Spa Twenty Four Hours, having yeah. 40, 48 cars and bringing let's say three to four drivers per car and trying to get them into one location is a big event, and it would take a lot of money. But the, but that that um, and and obviously to supply the hardware and to have everyone on equal hardware because obviously if you have people who Drive on direct drive, fanatic, you know, superstar spaceship machine at home, and then turn up when you say, "Here, just use this, just 
just use this Logitech again. I'm sure they wouldn't be too happy, but you know, but that would be incredible. I think that would be if if you could have the most ideal simulation, it would be that. I would think. I think um, one benefit of the lockdown is sim racing has had uh, more eyes than it would do otherwise because of people are looking for racing to watch. And I think having that physicality aspect of people actually being able to see the drivers, um, you know, doing, I don't know, driver swaps or something or, or being in person, you know, they can see them on, a, on an HDTV camera could maybe bring that more natural aspect to the front because sometimes when you're watching the sim race um it looks as real as get out until you see a car lagging or you know yeah. you never see any you know, so so something like that would be incredible i think if you had an event like that um it would just make it Monday. i know yeah. that last year uh, i know josh martin and chris hay and a few others have been i think it was to to monza um and i think it was for the blanc pain or the, the as, it, as it was called before mm. the World championship um, and they were actually at the end of the Monza pit lane, and you could see the real cars heading past them in the background. And then they were they had Brilliant. their sim race in this in the pit building, or at the end of the pit building, um, alongside it. And that, it was fantastic because I think it gives that atmosphere, um, you know. And then you see everybody as you say they're all racing. And I think it was more of a sprint race. Well, it was a few hours. It wasn't it wasn't uh, as long, um, but I think it's very exciting seeing lots of people in one room, uh, all with you know decent machinery, decent sim rigs, mm -hmm. uh, and racing away. Um, and I think it could do a lot to reinvigorate motorsport across the UK and Europe, uh, which has taken a bit of a, obviously a battle in the last wee while. Um, but I think because I think sim racing is a wonderful way in for people to have a shot, and if they like it, they can do. You know, if they practice enough, they can end up doing rather well. Do you think? Um, I mean, we know the question would be is where do you see sim racing going now that you've had this kind of success, and have you have you been invited to many more races to to be to, to take part in? Um, I mean. We haven't actually been invited to any because we're not we're not high profile enough. But um, we, we are we do have the sim grid the final round of the championship, which we are leading thankfully at Kyalami, and that's in um, that's in two weeks time, and and we're probably going to do a few more endurances after that. But I just wanted to come back to what you said there about people making the cross from sim to real life, and you know we see in the British in the British GT you have um, Baldwin has come over as the world's fastest gamer. And yeah. um, that's a quite a high-profile one. But you, you have the Sims now, like ACC. Um, you have like real-life GT3 drivers like Mickey Team driving a Sim. It's it's the closest thing you can currently buy to driving the real, yeah. driving yeah. the real cars. And, and you know it's 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 phenomenal, really. The the quality and the, particularly the detail of a set of Corsa to yeah. be able to you know obviously you don't have the feel of the, the car. You know you can't feel the car through your bum. But um, other than that, every other aspect of it is so detailed. It's as close to real life as, as probably we can physically get right now with the technology we have. Yeah, it is amazing how, how realistic it does feel. And I think especially if you've got a really good sim rig setup as well, um, it looks even more spectacular. Right? You get a bit mm -hmm. more feel when you're, when you're in, in, a, in a good kind of cockpit style sim rig. Uh, but uh, we've got another question from Amanda Rice. And it is who would who would form or who would form your pro sim racing dream team? So if that's sim racers or um, yeah, real life sim racing dream team. So so, uh, so so just pick I don't know like three yeah. endurance drivers, three sim drivers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd have to have Jordi here because he's hilarious. Um, <laughs> who who else would I pick? Uh, I'm not really quite sure. I mean. 
the most of the people that I know are people who play a set of course, a competizione. So I'm sure there are absolutely massive sim racers out there who play other sims. But um, for me, obviously, Jardier would be in there. Um, I think I would have to probably pick that. Uh, needs no yucks because he's just insane. The guy's pace is like, um, the guy is just next level how quick he is. And I've actually raced against him, it's just insane how fast he is. You just can't comprehend. Um, and I mean, if I wasn't in there, uh, I don't know who I would pick for the third one. I really, I really can't tell you who I would pick for the third person. Um, if I was if I wasn't there just for the fun, you know, if it was if it was for three people who were just absolutely dominant, majority are. Nils Noyoks and um, probably if, for the people I know, it would probably be Jordan Sherrett, who's currently in our um, in our SimGrid World Cup Championship. Is of the of the drivers currently in the championship? Of, of one driver who stands out, it's Jordan Sherrett. He's just he's as quick uh, as as Nils Noyoks, I think. So if, if you were going for um, and I said, of course, the dream team, it would be those three. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's fantastic. And what would you I mean if you could get the chance to to drive in real racing, um, what would be your kind of optimum style or, or optimum series that you would like to, to drive in? If, if my dream would be to go to Le Mans. It's always been Le Mans for me. It's like I've always been a touring car fan, um, up until a few years ago. I've always loved Le Mans. I think everyone who likes racing loves Le Mans. And yeah. then as the last few years, I've gone super into interest. And so if, if I could do a every man, every day series, it would probably be in a GTE, um, well, GTE car at um, the LMS series, you know, the European Le Mans series, or or maybe, you know, GT3 in the Mitchell Le Mans Cup, something ACO to me, personally, yeah. if I could drive one of those. And one of the big questions when you're doing these endurance races and you have to drive at night, I mean, I know it, obviously it's, you're still, you're in a room and you're, and you're racing away. How do you, I mean, it's, it's a very different aspect to drive at night and keep your concentration. What's kind of the key thing for that to be able to drive at night and not to kind of get distracted? Because when I was watching, um, I stayed up to watch some of the, the, the 24 hour race during the night and it's so dark and the, the lights mm -hmm. aren't, aren't that great. And you think, God, I can hardly barely see in front of this car. So what? how, how do you kind of cope with that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, um... I suppose you know yourself whenever you're driving and in real life and you're driving home from work particularly at this time this time of year it's almost harder to see in that one hour period between day and night than it is to see at night time you know yeah. in that dusk period and, and i found that at spa i was doing I, I i got in the car to do a single stint in that one hour window of, of low light and ended up doing triple stint because basically that that was so particularly hard to see in, in that part that it really was ultimate concentration. And, yeah. and my lap time consistency was very, very poor because it was so hard to see. I mean, it's only a sim, but it's so realistic how, how you know, yeah. it, was so, it was so difficult to see, particularly one corner on one lap and then you get to it the next lap and it'd be even harder to see. And you could do that over and over until it got pitch black and your eyes eventually adjusted. Um, yeah. And I found in the nighttime, it was a phenomenal, those three hours, I think, were the best three hours of us for the race. And, and I'm sure my teammate Brian would agree. Uh, we got into the, I got into the car and we were 46 seconds behind the class leader, um, having just had a 15 second penalty for bumping into the back marker. But um, uh, we, we had a 46 seconds behind the, behind the class leader and they had their, their best driver in the car. And I got in and I thought, we're not going to catch these guys until that guy gets out of the car. 
Uh, and in the first hour, we were we had caught them by 11 seconds, so we brought that into 35. And then the next hour, we brought it down to 12. And, and then the third hour, just before, I was kind of disappointed. We caught them, and I got onto one second behind them. And sadly, they got a drive through for track limits, and it was so disappointing because we chased them for about eight hours, and the fight was gone before it started. So it was a bit disappointing. But um, yeah. but the, our technique, basically, um, to actually get around to what you asked me, rather than me going off on a tangent, um, the, the, my technique really was it was full concentration, no no talk really, and my teammate basically fed me minimal information when I needed it. So uh, the only information I got was the car we were chasing's lap time on yeah. the start finish line every lap, and that was it. It was as soon as I crossed start finish line, it gave me the the lap time of the car ahead and every now and again he would give me a wind update into Lacombe and the bus stop because having a tailwind can uh, influence your breaking distance. Yeah no it's, it's it was pretty exceptional watching it because I just thought it's not like even if you're driving at night and you've got full beam so you can see quite far ahead because obviously you can't do that because you're going to be blinding everybody in on the racetrack yeah. um, so it was quite exceptional watching how they, yeah, they managed to spot the breaking points and you know, and and because and, these are spas got so many challenging corners and high speed corners, where you're coming from very high speed to to really having hard braking. And I, I was impressed that you know, I mean, I know people did go off and there were incidents and penalties and other things, but the fact that you kept going and you you managed to stay on the track um, is is really quite impressive. Because in Formula One, you have your night races, but the whole track's lit up, so mm -hmm. it's it's so much easier. I mean, obviously they don't have lights on the cars, but you see that and you think, yeah, I mean, yes, they might have shadows and other things that could distract them but overall it's quite straightforward in terms of at least there is lighting um, especially when you think of places like Singapore or Bahrain and, yes. and Abu Dhabi at the end you know um, but that's it's quite it's quite a thing so uh, along from driving as well I take it have you been to quite a lot of races obviously the pre-COVID era to watch endurance racing and other types of motorsport yes so I mean uh, I live in Northern Ireland, so a flyaway race to me is really just going over to England. So yeah. um, I have been to Silverstone, Brands, and Snetterton. Really, mainly it was always and it was always for the touring cars. I went to Silverstone for the Formula One once, um, and then I went to Silverstone last year. Uh, last year, yes, last year. Me and the girlfriend decided last minute let's go to Silverstone because we wanted to go see the World Endurance Championship. Um, I'm so delighted we actually did because um, had I not done that, I would have never had the opportunity to see the LMP ones in person ever again because you know coronavirus came sadly, and um, we had booked Le Mans and uh, yeah we had booked Le Mans this year um, to go for our first year to go to Le Mans and obviously it got moved around and, and no fans and yeah. so hopefully it will be able to go next year. Um, but yeah yeah endurance racing. To watch it live is is something else, but particularly the LMP ones, they're just insane, you know. And they're quite loud as well, aren't they? The LMP ones have a pretty strong sound from them. They they are quite loud for a, a a decent racing car. Yeah, the, the some of them do the the the, the non hybrid ones. So the Toyotas are they're incredible machines to watch. Um, yeah. I was fortunate enough to stand at the end of the pit lane in um, at Silverstone, my girlfriend and I, and the Toyota takes off on electric motors only, it's like instant acceleration and it takes off electric. And the second it gets to the exit line, the engine kicks in, it's it's immediate, it's almost, you can't yeah. blink quick enough. Uh, there's an amazing machine to watch. And 
you have the genet you had the Janetta, Janetta, um, I can't even remember this LT61 something or other. And then uh, you have the rebellions and um they're just incredible the noise of them is is, is amazing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say because um, we last year we went to a place called Simtrack, uh, which is near Leeds, um, and uh, they have a, a, a an actual real um, racing car that was in an accident, but they've they've done it all up and made it into a sim, and they've got a big kind of twelve foot uh, screen, and it's it's um, so it's as, as accurate as it can be. It's the kind of thing that I think you would probably quite like. Um, because obviously you know, doing all that sim racing and, and even as a roll cage built in and all the kind of stuff, so it's exactly as you would expect the real car to be. And um, we did it. Uh, me and my, uh, one of my co-hosts went down last year and had a, had a shot, um, and it's a phenomenal experience because the brake pedal is properly hard, so it's like it would be in real life. The settings are all you can adjust everything on the then the user set of course and things like that to um, to do all the practice. Um, but that was the first time when I when I had the the, the, the go. Um, I, I, it was it was so much like a real racing car because I've done in years past. Um, you know, like you go, arrive and drive kind of motor racing day back at uh, it was done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these kind of things are exceptional, and with the big screen in front of you, it looked so real. You know, it was unbelievable, and you were sweating away at the end of it. You know, it was a real. You thought you'd done a workout, um, and then you were told, right, you've only had fifteen minutes. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was it was amazing. Um, but they've got uh, they've got James Kellett. Uh, who was the teammate to Lando Norris in the Janetta Cup um, when they were uh, the teammates, and he, of course, beat Lando Norris. Um, and uh, so he's one of the, the main instructors there. So it was it was quite a thing, but it's, it, I'm sure when things... Oh, you always get that on a live show or something. Tell the mother-in-law never to phone, and they always phone. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, can you see it there? Oh, what's happened? Oh, oh are we OK? Yep, I think that was because the mother-in-law phoned or something like that. <laughs> so I'll blame it on the, the mother-in-law. Um, but uh, but no, it's it's amazing how the, the the technology is just coming together, and you can and then you can really learn how to how to go so much faster. Um, and how do you find? Because obviously, do you have to train quite a lot? Um, you'd like to keep yourself quite fit so that you're kind of mentally able to do these kind of races. I mean, before lockdown, I wasn't too bad on fitness, but lockdown hit, and I couldn't keep my hand out of my mouth, <laughs> so uh, I was that hungry. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, um, endurance racing. I'm used to watching 24-hour races, and I'll watch 24 hours. So keeping um, involved and actually active, you know, because you're racing as opposed to, you know, staring at a screen as such, um, mm. it's not hard for me. I don't find it hard. I, I mean, when we did Spa, I pushed harder in the last hour than I did for the entire race because we were chasing another car. And the, the way I like to see of it is, you know, when you have such a big task in front of you like that, take little bite-sized chunks or mini goals to set for yourself. And so, for example, target a certain lap time, or if you have a car ahead, try and you know you think, well, I'm not going to catch him, but I'm going to target to bring the gap down by this much. Things like that, and little mental challenges, and and trying to work out strategy and stuff. It keeps your mind active. So you might be tired, and and believe me, I was tired. Um, uh, you might be tired. You be you don't realize it. It's it's. I wouldn't necessarily say adrenaline, but it almost feels like adrenaline. It just kind of, yeah. you know, you're 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 pent up and you don't notice you're tired until you actually stop. Aye, aye. No, it's quite it's quite a thing. I I have to say, I, I was amazed that you know that so many drivers doing extra stints and all of this, and I thought, God, is that is something else? And and that was me before I was about to go to sleep, you know, to get a wee break, and and that and and then but I got up about half past five and 
watched all of it all and caught, caught up with all the highlights. Um, and it was incredible because by this time it was getting light again, um, the way that they had set the whole game up. But uh, no, it's, it's a fantastic thing. I'm, I have to say, I've never been to Le Mans. I've always wanted to see what it's like and I've tended to watch it on TV and things like that. Or, um, and it does look, uh, there's something about the character and the emotion of Le Mans. Um, it, 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 it must be amazing to kind of witness it in real life, you know. But uh, and yeah. it's just it like any Grand Prix. I've been to the, the the European Grand Prix at Donington way back in 1993. Yeah, uh, that's the year Senna did his amazing yeah. first lap, wasn't it? Oh, well, we we were amazed. I was there. It was my 18th birthday, and I was there with a friend of mine and their father, and and uh, we were just at the back kind of chicane at the kind of Donington loop at the back, yeah. um, and we saw Schumacher go off into the gravel right in front of us. Um, and then we, we saw it, the, the noise was incredible because when they yeah. came on their warm-up lap, it was like, you know, it was so loud. You're covering your ears. Um, and uh, But it was an amazing noise. You know, the Ferraris had this kind of V12 singing sounds of that only yeah. the Italians can do. Um, and then when they when you knew the red light was on because all of it, you know, they'd got onto the grid that was kind of behind the stadium where we were. Um, and then you just, you could hear the revs go up. And then the, when the lights went off, the revs just dropped. And then all the traction control kind of came in and it was like it was like watching a fly because we kind of saw them go around the back of the circuit, um, and all the people were taking their photographs because it was really foggy and quite a quite a kind of dark um, start to the race. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it was really poor conditions. And then of course uh, we heard that Senna had been blocked at the first corner, and he was down to seventh. And then bit by bit he was climbing up. And then when he came to the chicane, I think he'd just he'd overtaken Hill, so he was in second place, and he was right behind Prost. And then he went down out of view. And then when he came up interview, he was in the lead, and then that yeah. was it, and it was just sensational. And we we, we were a quite, we had a funny moment because we were Damon Hill fans, so we had our little Union Jack flags that we bought, <laughs> and we were like this, you know, kind of waving our Union Jack flags. And then there were a whole bunch of Brazilians behind us on the mount, kind of there. And of course, when they realised that Senna was in the lead, they all did this huge kind of Mexican wave behind us. Yeah. And then they saw our, our two Union Jack wet damp damp flags kind of like that, you know? <laughs> and, that, and that was it behind us you know um, but well, i'm sure way, i'm sure that was a phenomenal, a phenomenal memory you know like that's something i mean if i was there that's something i would hold forever that's i mean imagine you were there the day senate senate did that phenomenal lap at donnington that everyone still talks about so yeah. i'm sure you're delighted to have been there Oh, it was it was amazing. It was the most incredible experience, you know. And and when you have the helicopters flying uh, before the start, you know, and they've all got the flags on, and you you know, it just it's putting the hairs up on your back. You know, it's like you're you realize yeah, you're witnessing yeah. something that is incredible. Um, uh, you're one of the fortunate few that can actually get to the circuit and see this thing actually take place. You know, um, and I think it's like that for every motor racing event that's kind of done well. I mean, I went to the Blanc Pain Championship at Silverstone last year and that was an amazing <clears throat> event i saw david perel um i'd interviewed him earlier and he said oh if you're coming down do you get a chance to come to the race come to the come and see me and uh, so i saw him in the pit lane and that when they, when, they, when he was doing his signatures and autographs and and uh, but we managed to get onto the grid um and so I, wow. we walked onto the grid and although it wasn't as busy obviously as in like a main like grand prix or anything but it was yeah. still fantastic uh, and exciting to walk up up and down um, you know, through the cars, I, I always went up at the sides. I didn't get in anybody's way, um, but just to see the whole thing and, and as they stand next to the cars, and then they eventually get ready to get in, and it's an amazing experience. How do you find, um, you know, when you're approaching a big race, that do you get a little bit nervous, or do you, you know, are you kind of full of adrenaline and ready to go? I am totally pumped and excited until about five minutes before the start, and 
uh, all my confidence just turn, just goes like that and surrenders. And I, I started the car at Suzuka, and it was quite nervous. Um, but doing Spa was a whole different. It was a whole different cup of tea. Um, I think what happened to Spa was um, there was two starts. There was a massive crash at the start, and they had to do a restart. And so that first one, I was super nervous. It was. It's just. It's kind of the gravity of the situation, and it's more so. You have forty cars around you who all want to do the exact same thing as you and gain positions. And yeah. so, so when they really did the restart, I wasn't quite as nervous because it was kind of out of my system uh, at that point. It brings it down a bit, doesn't it? it kind of it yeah. Takes a, yeah, the pressure slightly is uh, it eases. I think uh, I think um, what you're saying there, Hugh, about you were saying about you know being amazed by the start procedure of races. That's one thing I miss about endurance racing is the standing start. Um, yeah. Only when I'm trackside uh, on TV, I love a rolling start. But when you're trackside and you're not on the grid and you're somewhere else on the track, no matter what series it's for, and there's a standing start and and the whole circuit is quiet until you just hear engines hitting the rev limiter and yeah. it's one of the most. It's just all the hairs stand up oh. in your arms. It is brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's it, one, of, one of the best things we used to do. Um, we used to go to Jerez in Spain and watch mm. the Formula One testing because you could get in. I think it was like seven. At one point, it was like seven euros to get in. Um, this was back in like 2010 uh, and uh, or 2008. And we did it for about three or four years on the trot. Um, and at that time, it was like Lewis Hamilton and they had the V8 cars and things. Um, and uh, it was phenomenal because would, would, if you paid a little bit more, you could get all the way around the circuit. So we used to go there, and I remember doing it in 2008, um, and the first car that came round on the, onto the back straight at Jerez was Lewis Hamilton in his McLaren. Mm -hmm. and so we had a little camera, and we were taking this thing, and I've got it on my on my catalogue of videos on my channel. And um, this was him racing down, and immediately, you know, you could hear the car, and, but it was just it was just exciting to watch, you know. Um, and then, of course, they do more. But one of the, the, the best things I enjoyed was that towards the end of the, of the practice day, or the, the testing day, they would all do practice starts. Yes. Uh, so we, we managed to get opposite the pit lane and mm -hmm. uh, and then they would all come up and it was just like they were going to start a race because they would all kind of, they would they'd be spinning the wheels and, and bouncing the car off the rev limiter. And then they would all, they would form on the grid. And sometimes you had about three or four of them actually stopping on the grid lines. And then they would all go pretty much at the same time um, to yeah. race away and, and, and practice. And oh, it was just the best thing that you, ever, you could ever hear, you know, but uh have you ever seen things like that at uh, things like Goodwood Festival of Speed? Do you sometimes no. try that? That's that's another bucket list thing. So the two main things for me is Le Mans number one and then Goodwood number two. And um, as I say, we were supposed to go to Le Mans this year, and it's gotten that we weren't able to go. It's obviously it's 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 very understandable, you know, with the pandemic going on. Hopefully, it will return next year. But as, as number one for me is Le Mans. It's it's just Le Mans above all. So I've wanted to go to Le Mans since. Since I was following motorsport, to be honest with you, the first thing anyone follows is Formula One, and then the second thing they hear about is probably the twenty-four hours of Le Mans. And yeah. for me, it was like that. So, um, good, Goodwood's the next thing for me. I want to say because anytime Goodwood's on, and, and I actually think the Goodwood YouTube channel is running it's all the streams constantly. You know, yeah. it's phenomenal. Even like you know, I wouldn't be a huge, massive fan of supercar road cars. I do like them, but you know, whenever somebody comes out with a new car and you know, it's a, a boutique manufacturer and it does an over ring time or something. It doesn't interest me as much as a race car does, but whenever they do Goodwood and you have the supercar shit, I, I love it. I think it's the best thing, best thing you can watch. It's fantastic. Aye. Oh, they're fantastic. I remember two years ago we went and uh, they, we actually thought it was the Formula One cars 
because they were so loud, but it was the Ferrari FXX. It mm. was the LaFerrari and then also the Ferrari FXX from a few years back. Um, and oh, they that were, thing's a screamer. Oh, it's the sound of heaven. It's a kind of, you know, it's just this incredible sound as it takes off. And we, we thought it was the F1 Ferraris, um, to be yeah. fair, because of the, of the old days and um, because of the noise. And then, uh, and then we just saw this thing whiz past. Uh, and it was an FXX, uh, which is one of my all-time favorite cars and, and things. You know, it, it's um, but it's uh, Goodwood is phenomenal if you get the chance to go. It's a it's an incredible experience. Oh, you know? I'd, I'd, I'd love to, absolutely love to. I think um, I think some of those cars at the minute that are coming out. Though I mean, the track day specials. You've the FXX, and then you've the Aston Vulcan. That's another one I absolutely yeah. love. The oh, Vulcan. Yeah. I think that's cool as get out. Uh, if I had all the money in the world, I think what I'd have is an Aston Vulcan. And to see that one guy who has a rogue legal vulcan, that's just so yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing you can't really do when you've got 21 hour limits out in every blooming town and city up and down the country now. But, uh, right. but you know, <laughs> but, uh, but oh, no, they're, they're spectacular machinery, isn't it? And, and I suppose that's the great thing about sim racing is that you get a chance to drive cars that are maybe based on, yeah. uh, you know, these amazing machines. Um, and obviously they're a lot louder. Obviously, when I went to to the block paint championship, I was quite impressed at how loud the cars were. You know, things like the Audi R8s, they were really surprisingly loud. Yeah. Um, and and the Lamborghinis and and all these other cars that they had the Ferraris. Um, it was brilliant fun um, being able to see them all and 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 uh, just the, the close competition. Um, and it was it was a thing. But uh, well, you never know. Perhaps you'll get in if you can keep going up these these grids and there'll be more money thrown at the sim racing. You might do one of these crossovers. <laughs> And really yeah, no, that would be that would be the thing. So what have you ever? Um, sorry, sorry have, you, have, you, have you ever actually been to like an ACO race like WEC or ELMS or anything like that? I've not. I've not seen a World Endurance Championship race. The, the nearest thing I've seen is Blanc Pain, which lasted about three hours at Silverstone. Uh, but I would love to see the big Le Mans cars, the proper endurance cars. Yeah. I think the 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 number one race car, if if you ever get the chance to to hear live or in person at the moment, is a 911 RSR, the the Porsche GTE. Uh, mm -hmm. it, I'm sure you've heard videos of it. It's absolute screamer. It's it's the loudest car I think race car currently in the world. It has to be by beyond the beyond the shout, and it's just yeah. burst your eardrums. It's incredible, but the, the sound is so. It's just so evocative of old race cars. If, if you get a chance to go to a, a WEC or ELMS race where there's a, a GTE RSR running, and thankfully um, they're all running to the current spec now with the exhausts out the back, and it just it's just insane. We were at Silverstone. It just we were standing. I'm sure you've been to Silverstone. Have you been to Silverstone? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, you know where um, Magus and Beckett says, you know, that apex one of Magus is the closest uh, yeah. part you can get to the track at Silverstone because everything's so uh, far away. Yeah. And we were standing there, and and we were just, I don't, I can't remember what we were looking at. But we were looking down the track towards towards Stowe, yeah. and then just the next thing was just your eardrum got burst by a nine eleven RSR coming through. Wow, <laughs> it's insane it's how loud they are. I, I always remember the Williams Renaults being pretty. The, the, the sound was a harsher sound compared to the Ferraris. The Ferraris, you can, you didn't have to put your hands to your ears in in the early nineties. But the the, Ren, the Williams Renault was it was a V ten and it was it was quite a hard sound, but it's still an amazing sound. And then the yeah. McLarens and the, the Honda engine was a great great engine, um, and the V eights, the the Ford V eights were rougher, um, but again not quite as as loud or or as kind of singing as the. The V8s in the in like the year of mm -hmm. 2000 and, and 2010 onwards and things like that, but uh, yeah, I think for me the, the the sound from a a racing car is 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 really crucial. That's why I'm not a massive fan 
of the current F1s. Uh, it's they're all cute. Yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah. a bit louder, but they're just not the same. I mean, I'm in awe of the technology. I mean, the, the performance they can do. I was fortunate enough to go to Silverstone in 2017, which was the first year of these current regs, um, uh, but the last year before the Halo. And I was yeah. fortunate enough to go then and to watch a Formula One car going through high aerodynamic corners like Cops and Magnus and Tigers. Yeah. It's just next level. It's insane. The sound is such a big part of the, I don't know whether you probably call it the soul or the emotion of motorsport, yeah. you know, but the, yeah. the, the mathematical or engineering or technological side is you can always be in awe of that and even electronic technology like, you know, like the, the hybrid LMP1s, but you have to have a good sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. But I always remember when I tried to convince my wife when we went to the testing in 2011, and I I wasn't sure how she would take it because she had, she had been convinced to come with me and watch this, um, and we got nearer and nearer Hareth, and we were about a, a couple of miles away, and you could hear that all of a sudden you heard this, oh, yeah. and 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 I said that, and she's kind of said, oh, what's that? Um, and I thought oh, this must have been a bee, dear. Must have been a bee, you know. You know, and it was. Uh, I thought it loud, very loud bees in Spain, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and then it got loud, it got louder and louder. And then I thought, yeah, I can't keep this up. Um, but the thing was, she was quite actually motivated by it because when we we got out the car and we we're all literally, you know, you slam the door shut, lock it, and you're you're running to the entrance of the of the track, um, and you pay your how many euros to get in, and then you, you're right at the chicane. So you got very yeah, close yeah. to the action. So they're coming around these kind of right-handers, and then they break really late, and then they go in. And of course, we saw Schumacher in the Mercedes um, coming around with his famous red helmet, you know, coming into these screens. And it was great to watch how some cars could take it flat, you know, faster than others, mm -hmm. and some launched it more than others. Um, so it's how how what, have you learned from anyone in particular with your sim racing? You know, have you looked at anyone you think, oh yeah, I like the way they drive, or it had inspiration. Um, to follow kind of particular racing drivers and try and do what they do? Yeah, I mean, when I first started doing it, um, I was doing that Alonso technique. Do you remember how Alonso used to drive in his Renault days where he used to throw, uh, you know, he used to throw the steering wheel in and understeer the car, but because he was doing it, it was so aggressive, the car would grip up. And and yeah. um, when I first started doing sim racing, I started driving like that. And, and it was working for me, but obviously that doesn't work in turn chasing because tires just die after yeah. laps so yeah. but uh, i mean in, in terms of real life drivers that's really what i was doing but in sim racing i've, I've learned a lot from watching there's some fantastic guys on youtube and obviously mm. there's some fantastic people who offer amazing coaching services so as you know david burrell offers a fantastic yeah. coaching service and and Nils noyox offers one as well but these guys as well um you know this is their business but on top of that they offer some fantastic free um coaching stuff on youtube uh, and 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 things like that are really helpful. You know, I've every time I'm doing a new track, I've done every track in ACC now, obviously. But when, when I first, you know, for, first started, like we did the Suzuka 10-hour race, and I hadn't driven Suzuka in a set. I hadn't driven Suzuka in Forza, but I hadn't sim raced on Suzuka ever until two weeks before we did the Suzuka 10-hour race. I'd never driven it on on a steering wheel before. Yeah, and, and but I wouldn't have learned how to do that had I not watched um, vid videos on YouTube. From um, there's a lot guide on there from a guy called Unleashed Drivers. I think I think it's a crew of guys um, does that, uh, and and things like um, Nate Noyox is a fantastic video up where he um, he analyzes some some guy one of his clients laps at Spa, and um, he just goes through the, the minor differences. Like you know, you think. 
the natural thing to think to go quicker is I need to break as late as possible. But what he showed was, I mean, he's one of the quickest guys in the game. As he's showing, he's actually breaking 10 metres earlier. But it's meaning he's gaining half a second by the time he gets to Lacombe because he's getting on the throttle a lot earlier. And things like that, you know, there's, there's some phenomenal resources out there to help people get quicker. And, uh, yeah, that, that's really it, really. Uh, I've just, you know, one of those YouTube DIY guys. <laughs> it is amazing, though. That's how I started the channel um, because I was watching people like Super GT. Um, and, uh, yes, and that's then, another one, actually. That's another yeah. one I've watched. And you would watch for hours and hours his live streams and then the game, the gaming videos that he would produce. Um, and eventually I thought, you know, I would love to interview him and see what it was like, you know, what, what would be the thing. And I hadn't really seen any other interviews of sim racers. So I thought, right, I'll do it. So I started off as a podcast and eventually went into video um, and then put them out on YouTube. Um, and he said, yes, I remember sending him a, a super chat thing or a message saying, would you ever be up for a, a podcast interview? And, and he was one of the first to say yes. Um, and uh, that was when he had like, just over 100,000 subscribers and now he's at about four hundred and fifty thousand yeah, or something incredible yeah. you know but um it, it's amazing how it's all coming together and how you know sim racing is just building this big community of fans and and many of them do like motorsport because i think now they see this as a way to combine both you can have great fun in your own home playing the games and then yeah. hopefully you can get a deal to get in somewhere get to silverstone gets to somewhere a big event um, and then you can you can watch it for real and or, or do another sim race at the event um, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. you know, how, how I, I think, I think just, I mean, Super GT, um, he's a phenomenal content creator, and there's unbelievable content creators who are really raising the bar and making, um, raising awareness, should I say, for some reason. You know, Super GT, he's, he's original and he's funny, uh, as well as, you know, people yeah. like Jimmy Broadbent and Jardier and such like that. But, you know, th things like, Having competed now in a sim endurance event only makes me love the real life thing a lot more than, than I thought I ever could do because it's it, you, if I'm finding it tough and I'm sitting behind a computer screen, what are these guys doing when they're getting in cars that are over 50 degrees Celsius and doing it for three hours long? You know, yeah. and, and, and things like that I absolutely love. And endurance racing, to, um, I think, I don't know if you've... If, if, um, if you listen to a podcast by Graham Goodwin and Marshall Perea, it's called This Week in Sports Cars. But one thing Graham Goodwin, who's the editor of Daily Sports Car, said is um, something, something along the lines of um, sports car racing is just a rule book. And, you know, it's not about competing. It's, something, it's just a rule book. And people just have to drive around the rule book as opposed to being a competition. Um, but what's, what's brilliant about endurance racing is all the rules because all the rules add strategy aspects. And it's so complex. It's almost like playing chess. As opposed yeah. to you know, you know, playing football, we it's really the the goal is to go up on end and score a goal. But in sim racing, you have, or excuse me, sorry, in endurance racing, you have any god's amount of things that could trip you up and give you a penalty and ruin your race. Uh, yeah. Let alone the fact you're overtaking cars that are 15 seconds laps lower than you, for example. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 I think I think now especially with especially with sims like ACC, which are a fully licensed title, you can become incredibly immersed, especially with ACC and the, the complexity and the accuracy of the sound and the track side details and things like that is beyond immersive. Like I could never have imagined when I started sim racing being able to actually do it for three hours in a row for a triple stint and, and not get bored. But you're so immersed in the experience of it, and I've only got a Logitech. But even at that, it's it's just you're so immersed in it. And 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 one of the other guys who actually drove in the same Great World Cup, Naka, 
I've got a bit of a banter rivalry going with him because I, I did 275 laps of Spa and he did 276 and he beat me by one. <laughs> but I, I, he beat me by one lap. And anyway, he actually, he did five hours in a row at the start of the race, five stints. So we did f- close to five and a half hours driving at the start of the race. I just cannot comprehend how anyone can do that and, and not be totally spent afterwards. And and that's really where I see it. It's almost like a feat of endurance in itself, you know. Yeah. yeah, you're sitting behind the computer screen, but I mean, you're sitting there physically exerting yourself for five and a half hours. Yeah. There's no oh, way. Yeah. There's no way around it. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. Easier way of saying it. So <laughs> that is that is something else, isn't it? I mean, five stints. It probably would be illegal in a real race, wouldn't it? They might not allow. Oh you yeah, stint. it is. Yeah, yeah. I think most. I think most championships is something like you can only do four hours in a row at maximum. And this guy did five, and he did something like another. He did another four in a row at the end of the race. I can't believe. I really couldn't believe he was doing it. I looked at the stats after the race. I'm an addict for data or data. I'm an addict for it. I always analyze stint pace and all after a big, big race. And I looked and it said that I had done, I had done 46% of the race and one other guy had done 46% of the race. When I counted the laps, he had done one more lap than me. And we just had a bit of a banter going about it. I was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> that is quite something. Because, I mean, you've got to be so careful as well. And, you know, when you're coming into the pits, for example, that you don't go over the speed the, the, the speed limit. Um, so you know you've got to have your your your, your steering wheel all programmed. So you have the pit limiter on. Uh, what do you find is your biggest challenge when you're doing that kind of night driving? Um, you know, or, or easy mistakes to make. What would you say is oh, yeah. pitfalls you yeah. can fall into? I think I think the pit the, the pit speed is is really actually what you just mentioned there is, is the. Um, is the easiest one to trip yourself up on and we we've done it we've done it uh, i think in three of our i think actually our three first endurance races the three 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 ones we did before we entered the sim grid uh we did it in every single one we got a pitley and speed limiter penalty and it was um it's it's uh, whether it's heat of the moment or whether it's lacks of la, um lapse of concentration or whatever it's very easy to knock a pit limiter off whenever you're fired up and shaking with adrenaline and, yeah. and at Spa, if you do that at Spa, I stop with 30 seconds at Spa, it's over a minute and a half of time penalty. And yeah. so but particularly it becomes it becomes almost a harder race. If you're if you're out in front and, and you have a comfortable margin and you think, right, you know, we yeah. are out in front and, and it's our race to lose, it almost becomes more mentally challenging than it does when you're coming from behind, because if you're coming from ten positions down or whatever, um you just do what racing drivers do, I suppose. You just get a bit between your teeth and drive as quick as you can to get to the front. But when you're at the front, you have to manage a race and it becomes a whole other dimension and it becomes quite a lot more mentally stressful, I actually think. Because yeah. you become more aware of your fragility, should I say, to penalties. Mm-hmm. I know. It's, I, mean, w- w- I remember watching a few people go through with their time penalties um, at, at Spa. And I mean, it took, for, it took forever to go all the way oh, down. Yeah. And also the exit is lethal because you're you're coming up really at the side of Eau Rouge, aren't you? Mm. That bit, and, and you think that's the most you know you've got slow cars and then people going incredibly quickly as a you know that's a formula for destruction if ever there oh, was yeah. you know um, and uh, I mean I suppose in Formula One the pit lane comes out much earlier so and at the bottom of the hill so it's a lot safer um, but no it's you know you think you could get you could get a penalty and end up going through the coming out the pit lane and then have a huge crash at the top and that could be the end of your race. If you go in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, um, and also it's how do you avoid that? If you're coming up the road 
um, does it give you any kind of warning that somebody's coming out or yeah yeah so i mean you, you get a warning from your engineer at the end game engineer but i think um what i'd like to add to that is what was really quite terrible for us was i mentioned before that we had spent the whole race catching or who the leaders of the championship who are our championship rivals and sadly they got a drive-through penalty and then we later noticed that they were really really far down the order I and mean, when i figured out what happened to them is is exactly what you just mentioned and they had come over the top of uh, old rouge and radion and come on sighted behind another car and and sadly there's another car deep you know and they end up t-boning them at the yeah. top of radion and and they ended up with something like 10 minutes of delays you know in repairs and and pit lane yeah. time and, and then had a service stop go 30 because of incorrect pit lane procedure as a result and um things like that you know and and, and radion radion is a little bit like um I can't think of other corners now, but Radion is one of those gems. Illusion Radion is one of those gems, which thankfully still exists in the real world and obviously still exists in some racing. And yeah. naturally, it is very dangerous. And, and we have seen very, very sadly, actually, in, in just last year, you know, Anton Hubert, who passed away uh, passed away as a result of a crash there, and, and, and Juan Manuel Correa, um, who yeah. uh, lost his legs. Yeah, so, and, but I mean, it, it, it's almost, and it, but we're very lucky to have corners like that still exist. And it is almost every race meeting at every type of race series, there's a crash there, real life and sim race. And, and, and yeah. you know, LMPs, GTs crash there. And um, in the sim grid race, we actually saw an extraordinary amount of crashes in the first two or three hours for Mercedes yeah. and Mercedes and Audis at that corner. And, and yeah. really, I think that's, that, you know, I didn't feel like we were really that quick at Spa. But the reason we did so well is because we avoided having issues like that. And, uh, you know, yeah, so, so things like that are all dangers you have to look out for, particularly that pit exit, which does effectively just, you know, throw cars onto the track. Why is the quickest part of the track? So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a big risk. Aye. No, it's, it's, it is, it's, some tracks are just insane. Um, as to how dangerous they can be, but then they make the that's the character of the circuit. And if you took that away, this would never be the same. Um, having them going, it was like after the, the horrendous accident of Ayrton Senna uh, at Tamburello. And I mean, Emily was an amazing circuit, but you kind of feel though that in some ways, with the chicanes as they raced there a couple of weeks back, it, it wasn't the same. I mean, the yeah, Tamburello yeah. corner was an incredible, um, exceptional corner, um, and there had been big accidents before. I remember Gerhard Berger had a huge crash. At Tamburello and his Ferrari, and it went on fire. Uh, but he jumped out. I think he was okay. Um, but uh, it's it's in some ways you think you know, they could make it safer, but keep the original track, you know. And yes, it's yes. because they they had they didn't want to take the trees down, and that's why they had to have that wall there. Um, and of course, that's what proved to be the fatal um, kind of uh, thing that happened uh, way back in '94. Um, yeah. But no, these circuits, so you, you hope that they'll preserve them. And I mean, at least in Formula One, um, thankfully, it seems to be. They have some pretty good designs, so they keep things fairly reasonable. Uh, I think with, um, sorry, I think with Emily as well. I think had had such an accident happened today, it wouldn't have been fatal for Ayrton because the the Formula One safety technology of, of today is is really amazing to look at. I mean, they have these these phenomenal barriers now. I don't know if you remember in two thousand eleven, Perez had that crash in Monaco when he went oh, yeah. sideways. Yeah, and if he had had that crash twenty years ago. Well, we probably, you know, it would have been a very terrible thing. But I think if, if say, um, you know, say Emily had survived in its form with Tamburello as the big sweeper, 
yeah. to today. Um, it wouldn't be quite as dangerous if someone crashed because we would have those modern barriers and, and we would have that modern runoff as such. So obviously the, the, the nature of the circuit has changed, but it was a necessary thing in those days, you suppose. And, and, and even even Spa, I believe, that year, they changed Spa to have a chicane yeah, in the chicane. middle of Eau Rouge. Yeah, 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 they had some kind of thing to slow it all down. And they did it in Canada. They had these ridiculous chicanes after yeah, the hairpins yeah. and things like that. It was you know, basically almost bolt on a few cones here and there, and, and that was about it, you know. But uh, the, the thing is, uh, um, mo mo modern safety changes have been have been really good. I mean, they've been phenomenal. Sadly, some some tracks it does change the character, but like things for Le Mans, for example, the Porsche yeah. curves have have had the walls moved back and back and back over the years, and yeah. um, uh, even even just not last year. Uh, yeah, last year, even last year, um, there was a Corvette had a crash in, in Porsche curves, and it was just a phenomenal crash. Like as yeah. safe as the circuit is, he managed to hit the one piece of barrier that wasn't. A tank yeah. pro safety barrier, and the car yeah. just disintegrated and went everywhere. And if race cars weren't as safe as they were, sadly we might not be talking about them. You know, so um, I think safety is a phenomenal thing. I'm a, I am actually a big advocate for safe motor racing, so long as we, as as you've mentioned, it's very important to keep the character of the circuit. Um, I believe Spa is actually making some uh, safety changes in the coming years because they're wanting to attract motorcycle racing. So. Um, they're they're putting gravel traps in, but I don't think they're changing any corners, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting, isn't it? The involvement and the kind of how how the tracks kind of uh, evolve over the years and how it all goes. But we've got some great tracks. I have to say, I'm looking forward to Turkey this weekend. I think that's going oh, to be yeah, quite a good race, and that, that incredible turn eight um, is going to be quite fun. But it's amazing how things like Gran Turismo have made their own versions. You know, that all these amazing tracks that aren't you know that they've made up. That are that are kind of but almost as as challenging, um, yeah. and it all it all works so that you've got the sim racing almost competing and intervening with the the real kind of racing and, and things like that. But uh, it's fantastic. Oh, would you believe we've been going for over an hour, which is fantastic. Wow. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's been absolutely amazing uh, interviewing you today, uh, James. It's absolutely fantastic seeing about your career um, and where and, and how well you've done in such a short period uh, of time. Um, and uh, I was going to say that obviously you you said you had a st your steering wheel was on a stand. Do you have plans to maybe get a proper sim rig like you've seen the other some of your rivals use? Do you think that will be your next step? I think down the line that would be that would be ideal. But uh, at the moment, um, we're not long living in the house that we're, we're we living in at the moment, so we're still doing decorating phase. But um, the current room I'm at, room I'm in at the moment is my music production studio, um, and at the moment I have to. I mean, it's it's kind of like sharing a house with two people. The sim racing and the music production have to kind of fight for space, really. And uh, so, if, at the moment, um, I have the sim racing gears actually just packed off to my to my my left here to get out of the way. Um, but basically, normally, it's at the moment it's on a stand. I move it out of the or I move it into the way when I want to race and move it out of the way and put my music gear back when I want to make music, yeah. for example. But uh, maybe in the future, I'll get a rig. Um, if I want, if I want a stronger wheel, I'll, I'll need a I'll need a rig. Um, but the the stand I have at the moment is um, it's quite good to be honest with you. Um, it's it's quite accommodating. And I'm I'm six foot seven, and it's quite hard for me to get the. Um, you know, I can't imagine me being able to fit into a race car in real life. But thankfully for the stand, I am fortunate enough to get the pedals pushed to the absolute furthest away they go from me, and it's just about comfortable. So I'm quite happy with that. 
that's pretty good going, isn't it? And it also shows that you can actually race extremely well uh, on fairly, you know, entry level um, machinery, which is great. So uh, you can imagine that once you get a, a sim rig and a bit more, you'll be even faster. Because I think it does. The, the, I think more the more you feel like you're in the real thing, or well, the more it, it kind of probably en envelops you to 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 go even more and to to find those extra fractions for qualifying and consistency and everything else. But uh, but no, that's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Um, we've had some great questions and we've had lots of funny comments from my co-hosts um, who are trying to amuse themselves. As I might, I've, I've been ignoring their questions so far. <laughs> <laughs> their comments, um, but. Uh, but no, they've all been they've all been very good. But uh, they've been talking about the tracks and all the things that we've been doing. But there is one good question here. It says, uh, "Who would scare you the most on track, Grosjean, Magnussen, or Albon?" Oh, Grosjean, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Magnussen's funny, you know. If you had a crash with Magnussen, you'd just swear at him and you'd swear back at you. If you have a crash with Grosjean, you know, he wouldn't shut up about it for six months, you know. Uh, yeah. I think Albon. I actually think Albon's a really good driver. He's just been really unlucky. Uh, do you not think yeah. so? I think he's been really, really unlucky. I think the Haas guys, um, they're good drivers, but you know, you know, they're yeah. the Haas drivers, so they just seem to be lacking something. They've been there a long time, and I think maybe it's probably quite a good idea to get fresh uh, runner drivers yeah. in and see how how it goes. But my, one of my co-hosts, um, Jonathan, who's been writing comments there. Um, he went. He did a, a, a race day, uh, what was like a race week at Silverstone, um, to get his racing license, and that's why we, we call him the real racing driver. Um, <laughs> even though I, I, I can beat him on Gran Turismo, which he can't stand, um, but uh, <laughs> I'll never stop repeating that. But um, but uh, but he actually did a, a race, um, a four day course, um, and then you had to do two races to get your license uh, at the end of the week, um, and there, there were two 12... 12 um, a group uh, or two groups of 12 people um, and then the other group was uh, Kevin Magnuson uh, and wow. his father yeah be back in 2007 oh, yeah Jan, yeah, doesn't, Jan doesn't Jan doesn't mince his words yeah exactly yeah. and uh, so they were brilliant it was, and so we were these uh, whenever they were racing we were we were not so we were kind of watching um, but uh, it was a fantastic so we've got this great picture on the podium uh, with Jonathan and all these other all the drivers that were in the main group um, and yeah, and uh, Kevin Magnuson's in the background, in in on the podium with us. Wow. Um, but we never thought that we would be seeing him just a few years later, um, only about eight or seven or eight years later, um, entering Formula One. Um, Magnuson, Kevin Magnuson's actually, I think he's quite an exciting driver. Actually, really, I've always yeah. really quite liked Kevin Magnuson. He's he's got yeah. a personality to them. You know, he doesn't fit that. You know, sometimes racing drivers get into that media pers personality yeah. kind of mode oh. all the time. Oh, and yeah, yeah, Magnuson has a bit of a personality about him. I really quite like. I see him with his dad. His dad's the same. That you know, the, yeah, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I remember the his father used to smoke, and I remember Jackie Stewart, who was not pleased with him because it, it, when he was not pleased with Stewart, they were Jackie was saying, you know, he smokes and he drinks and all this stuff, and he's not very good for uh, being a racing driver and all this kind of who, stuff. Who was it? Um, who was it? Won the Grand Prix for Stewart, but who, I can't remember who it was. Was it, um, it wasn't Herbert? Was it? Was it Johnny Herbert? Oh, yes, I think so, it was an Nurburgring, wasn't it, when Stuart won the Grand Prix? Um, I can't remember. This was before. This is before I was old enough to. to that would be uh, my co-host Andrew Marr will probably know. You'll be searching Google as we speak. But um, yes, I think it was. I think it. Um, yeah, who was in the Stuart race? It wasn't Irvine. Um, oh, I think it was Johnny Herbert. I think, but I might be wrong. I could be easily be wrong. 
because he won a couple of races for Benetton, didn't he? he won in yeah, he, I think he won. got his debut at Silverstone. He got his first win at Silverstone, didn't he? Yeah, I know. I think it was. I think that would have been maybe her bit. If not, well, well, uh, um, I'll, I'll, uh, my 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 cause will tell me. I hope. Um, but um, but yeah, no, that was it. Was quite funny how how I always remember Jackie Stewart's reaction because they did years ago. It was uh, I think it was with Clive James uh, for the start of the of the Grand Prix, and, and it was in Australia. They had all the drivers at that time sitting mm. in the studio, and then Jackie Stewart was with them, and uh, and and then so Clive James asked him, "So are you happy with your two drivers?" Um, and I'm sure Jackie Stewart said, "Yes, if one of them would stop smoking, that'd be happy." <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it was, so it, uh, so yeah, that's the thing. Ah, yes, we're, it was definitely Johnny Herbert. Um, ah, yeah. there we go. Okay, what a guess yeah. because this this was before I was probably old enough to even I didn't even <laughs> count two and two. So, <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Well, look, thank you very very much for being on the show tonight. Um, it's been really really good, and I wish you all the best for your future in sim racing. And keep in touch with us. We'd love to have you back on the show. You're always welcome. Um, and uh, we hope to have some sim racing. We're actually hoping to do a league as well on Gran Turismo oh, wow. and things like that, or between uh, Gran Turismo and ACC. Um, so it'd be great if ever you wanted to take part, um, have a go in a race with us and, and, and show us how it's done. Um, then uh, you'd, be, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be very, very welcome. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll close the show, but stay on the line just now. But to everyone who's been watching tonight, thank you very much for your questions. It's been a brilliant show. I'm sure you've all enjoyed it. If it's the first time that you've been on the show or seen watching our, our channel, please subscribe and give us a like. That would be absolutely fantastic. But as always, our end of the show motto is drive fast and try not to crash. Bye just now.